I'm Raven Rollins, and this is my Southern True Crime podcast where I discuss cases from my former hometown. Ada, Oklahoma paints itself as an average community, but its history of murder and corruption runs deeper than any story has ever told. You'll hear plenty of special guests, including authors and experts in their fields, who visit with me on each episode, as well as other cases in the southern states. With notorious and unknown cases alike, every victim sees the light on my show. This is Sirens, a true crime podcast. So I have some guests with me today from the Curious Cousins Oklahoma podcast. They are going to take us through some Oklahoma history surrounding satanic panic and some witch trials from the late 1800s up to the 1970s. From there, I'll be visiting with my co-hosts Simon Vaughn and Mandy McNeely to discuss satanic panic from the late 60s on. Okay, so I have the Curious Cousins here with me today. Hello. Hi. Hi. I had noticed a lot of the bigger podcasts, they would say, like, not that it was derogatory, but they'd be like, oh, Oklahoma, like, we don't even know. We, we remember visiting that state, and I'm like, mom, yeah. we have a lot of things that happen in the state. Yeah. And so we kind of just thought to ourselves, we need to prove to them that... We're just as true crime-ish as everybody else. Yeah. And we have just as much paranormal as everybody else. I literally just did a crossover yesterday with You're Doing Fine, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And the crazy thing to me is that we have so much going on here that there's three, at least four of us, because Erie Oki is also yes, in Oklahoma. Yes. And we're like, none of us are talking about the same stuff. So I know. <laughs> I, know. I mean, we could if we yeah, wanted yeah. to. But yeah. But it's just crazy. We have we have that much happening mm-hmm. here. I that know. We have plenty to talk about. Yeah, and um, we come from a family of educators. Tiffany, or Tiff, I should say, is an educator, and we just thought, you know, there's you're not learning it like you like you used to. They're not yeah. learning mm-hmm. Oklahoma history like they were the traditional or, way. Yeah. Or um, you know, so we wanted to do something where it'd be interesting and. And maybe fun and it's just interesting really yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. but I'm a history um I minored in history and humanities so oh, that's yeah. one of my interests anyway and I don't know it was just a, a thought that we were <laughs> let's give this a go and see what happens and but you could you guys do true crime and supernatural yes. yeah like like on the reg mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah we do um we call it dark history and it's just kind of oh, history we do um, true crime, and then we also do the paranormal stuff. See, that's something that I I think that true crime and paranormal kind of go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh right. yeah, definitely. If you think about a ghost story, where does that start? With right. a true crime, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. Well, and the cool right. thing with the the supernatural, it can it can tie into history. So yeah, I, that's another thing is that I don't think this is acknowledged, even though it's an absolute fact. True crime is history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Period. I mean, all of us are talking about history. The reason why we talk about history is so that we can do better, move forward, advocate, prevent. Like, there are so many reasons to talk about history. 
did satanic panic really start in 1980? It's apparent that humans have had an interest in the occult and supernatural for as long as probably time itself. And there have always been those who consider themselves religious crusaders. The Salem witch trials occurred in colonial Massachusetts between early 1692 and mid 1693. More than 200 people were accused of practicing witchcraft, the devil's magic, and 20 were executed. In 1711, colonial authorities pardoned some of the accused and compensated their families, but the witch trials didn't really stop there. As a matter of fact, the last witch trial recorded in American history took place right here in pre-statehood Oklahoma in 1899. So I decided to do a little background into Native American witchcraft mm. and their beliefs. Um, most all of the information that I found when researching, they were celebrating that it had been 200 years since the Salem witchcraft trials. Mm -hmm. And so it was really hard to find stuff in the 1880s time period. Yeah. But um, research showed that most Native Americans believed in witches and medicine men. And due to the high number of natives here in Oklahoma, mm -hmm. there was there was a huge belief in that kind of um witchcraft and belief system mm -hmm. and um, naturally natives believed in different gods and entities and so when Europeans came over they saw those different entities and different gods as satanic or witch-like threats to our livelihoods. yes mm -hmm. yes to our lives so they looked down on the natives beliefs and they thought a lot of them thought they were just silly and that's nonsense. That's nonsense, exactly. Um, in 1888, there was an article from a paper in Muskogee that quotes that these beliefs keep them ignorant, talking about natives. So you can just that kind of mind frame. Man, that makes me want to go on a tirade right now, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. Right, right. <laughs> well, and, you know, the natives, they believed that the witchcraft in their beliefs and religions was what was behind droughts and tornadoes and right. earthquakes and where of course now you know okay well, yeah we know it's science now mm -hmm. but um yeah. then you couldn't explain that stuff so in around the 1890 to 1899 time um natives of course had been around europeans more so they believed less in humans being witches and more in witches like possessing animals like dogs or cows or horses. Right. You know what's strange is that this last Halloween we just covered skinwalkers oh, yeah. for one of our um, little things. So I don't know if you want to hear that's what that's what you're talking yeah. about um, is how they believed in the possession of animals and right. men changing into animals and stuff like that. So I guess you can go listen to that. Oh yeah. Just take a pause. Just <laughs> yeah. pause it here. Yes. We'll be right here when you come back. We will be. Yes. Here we are. Yes. We're, we're back. <laughs> so um, the, I had another article from 1896 that claims that natives didn't practice witch, witchcraft or, quote, witchcraft mm -hmm. until Christians actually arrived in the New World. And said they were practicing and witchcraft. And said that I'm they sorry. were practicing <laughs> witchcraft or what the natives and Europeans thought was witchcraft. Yeah. Um, in fact, it was Europeans that believed the practice they saw natives taking part in was witchcraft. Like, for example, the way that they would light a candle. Oh, you lit it in a weird way. That's witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know about you. There's only so many ways you can light a candle in 18. What did you want to do? <laughs> but 
Um, <laughs> it's so strange. <laughs> it's kind of just a strange thing. And some weird articles that like would pop up in 1892 in Wilmington, Delaware, there were two older women who were arrested for witchcraft because they were fortune tellers. And so at some point, like these like fortune reading ta- tarot or hands yeah. or whatever. Yes. And so you're just like, okay, like where do we draw the do line? Do we not here? have anything better to do <laughs> than to track <laughs> down these old ladies? else going on in that <laughs> yeah. time period. And um, 1894 in Pennsylvania, um, a Mrs. Ugoski was arrested and charged with witchcraft um, because she failed to cure a 12-year-old girl who was suffering from an incurable disease. And so in my mind, I'm like, oh, incurable? (laughs) Well, that's her fault. Um, Get her. (laughs) Right. Right. And uh, there was a claim that cattle and horses and a turkey were affected by this woman who was unable to cure this little girl. And um, later, (laughs) after they put this woman on trial, sentenced her to death for (gasps) witchcraft. What? Um, It came out that the girl's friends, they just wanted to see her killed because their little (gasps) friend got killed. Oh, my god! And so I'm just like, oh, hmm, this rings a bell. (laughs) No of oh 200, oh 200 years previous that you were just celebrating. People are so vindictive. Right. Even young. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. I know. Vicious. Yeah. And then another one was in Juneau, Alaska in 1898. Um, is one of the last states to outlaw witchcraft, which I didn't know that there was laws outlawing. Yes. And it wasn't even a state yet. But uh, because there were several murders that were committed all due to this, quote, witchcraft. And apparently there was just a jail full of natives that were all witches there wow. in Alaska. So <laughs> people. And then, of course, in Hawaii, too. <laughs> Not even states yet. 1903, a kahuna was arrested for practicing witchcraft, which led actually to a manslaughter charge oh my, oh my later on. So witchcraft, it wasn't as widespread as it had been 200 years prior in the 1690s. Oh, but they were still oh, on it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but you can see that it would creep up every once in a while, I feel like, and most cases were dismissed or led to other charges it's like manslaughter. Like little bubbles of yes. satanic panic yes. mm-hmm. coming back around. Right. So I thought it would be fun to touch on, because uh, Jess and I are real big in Oklahoma history, the Skyatook witch. Yeah. Yeah. And I've uh, never heard of it. Oh my gosh. I hadn't heard of it until probably... Six months ago, maybe, I'm that I excited. finally heard of it. Yeah, I but, think you told me about it, so. Yeah. And I've lived here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I grew up in Oklahoma City. <laughs> I know, I have an excuse. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not from Tulsa. I'm not, so. Yeah, I'm not either. <laughs> so, Hillside Cemetery in Skytook was established in 1895. However, prior to it being a cemetery, there was a school on or close by the location. It was called Hillside Mission Indian School which was established in 1882. So I'm pretty sure some crazy yeah. energy is there in that land. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people kind of go back and forth. Is it an urban legend? Is it really a ghost story? Did it really happen? Mm-hmm. Um, is it demonic forces? Is it witchcraft? <laughs> so here's a little bit of background. Between 1880s and in the 1900s, there's not a year there's no definite year. Oh, um, <laughs> this is real obscure. I love how that starts. Right. <laughs> Sometime um, back then, yes, yeah. a woman in Skyatook was known to practice black magic or witchcraft. Does she even ha- just does she even have a name, um, or it's just a woman? Some woman. I think it's just okay. a woman. Okay, it was just, <laughs> just <Right>. checking. <laughs> so, when her husband died, she was so upset. Legend has it, or the story has it, she was so upset and brokenhearted that she couldn't imagine her life without him. So she literally refused to be separated from his body. One account said that she hid his body in her house, 
refusing Ooh. to bury him oh. until the townspeople discovered the corpse and that they discovered the smell. Discovered Gross. it where? It didn't really mention how or where it was discovered. Discovered but it how? It was discovered. And so they, of course, took her. And after the husband was buried, the grief-stricken widow, quote, witch, dug up her husband in an attempt to bring him back to life using black magic. This was unsuccessful. Go figure. Of, of course, <laughs> it, of course, it was. Because um, it's not real. So, what did he die of? <laughs> they just didn't say. It, oh, okay. I thought I might have missed something. It could no, have been anything. Say. Anything. Really. Yeah. It was between the 1880s. Okay. And 1900s. It could have been anything. He could, have, he could have sneezed too hard. Right. Yeah. An infected true. toenail. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very true. Uh, when the townspeople caught wind of her digging the body back up, they took the man's body back to the cemetery and buried him again. Oh my gosh. The woman then returned to the cemetery herself and dug him back up. <laughs> so she attempted this again, just attempting to bring, put all of her energy into bringing him back li- to life. It never mentions how many times that this actually happened, but a lot. It seems that it happened a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, she was a devoted wife, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. so eventually, though, the townspeople got tired of dragging this dead body back to the oh graveyard every gosh. day, and I can imagine the smell and decay. I mean, he got a wasn't he, pleasant he, he, either. Yeah. He had to have been like falling apart at that. Point, That's what I'm think. thinking. I'm like, there's got to be a point in which you just gotta like get a wheelbarrow, or right? Something. And you know, just scoop oh, him up with a shovel. Put it all in there. Falling off. That's um, horrible. Yeah. So as a town, they decided that we're just gonna cover his coffin and bury the site in cement, so she couldn't dig the man back up. It is reported that this did end her attempts of reviving him. It is also reported that she ended up dying now of a broken heart or loneliness. Aww. So I'm sure you can all imagine what happened next. This enraged the witch. So a um, curse is born. There we go. She cursed the burial site. <laughs> Boom. Oh, she cursed the burial site. So anyone who touches the grave risks demonic possession. Oh. And if you aren't possessed, I, I don't know how you don't become possessed if you touch it, but if you will be cursed with horrific tragedy and loss the oh. remainder of your life. Oh, no. Interesting. That um, is interesting. You are able to visit the site in Skytook. It is found at Hillside Cemetery in Skytook. Um, most visitors will leave coins or flowers or other offerings to avoid the curse and appease any dark spirits or demons. Um, many paranormal investigators have visited there, and they reported strange noises. Of course and they did. Felt touches, had rocks thrown at them. <laughs> rocks thrown. It was probably a kid hiding right, in a bush. Grabbed by unseen hands. There were ghost sightings. Um, but I have heard. Are there ghost sightings of the witch or of the that's, man? That's what they, I don't know. But then there's also a ghost sighting of a man, but then most people say, oh, no, it's these 1970, this kid that. Like was hit by a car in the 1970s or something. Oh. So it's not clear who is the ghost walking around. I mean, it's a around. cemetery, so right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Could be um, anyone. anyone. I did see one report that said that there were several graves that have been covered with cement. Oh, and so did, so it did it spread. I, that's a good question because <laughs> some people are like how do you even find the right one right um, or was it just somebody that was like hey why does she get to dig up her old man and i have to not uh, like i'm it's Grandma's my turn got now. her diamond ring in there <laughs> i'm gonna you. dig it up now not just everyone's out there right. digging yeah. people up um there is some confusion on who is actually buried in the oh, said no. grave that is covered in um cement some say it is the witch herself but most believe it to be the husband of the witch. But my question is, where's her grave then? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was actually yeah, yeah I was thinking about that. Where did um, they put her? Some even say that the grave is of a husband, 
but that his wife passed away three years before him. So then they're like, well, then who's this other woman that was trying to dig you up the whole time? Oh, no. Mm. On the grave, you can make out some engravings. Park Hill is on the grave. And you can tell that it was just done when the cement was wet and they probably broke a stick like, off the yeah, tree oh, yeah. next to it and yeah. started to engrave, <laughs> engrave in it. Oh, wow. uh, the man's last name, they believe, is Park Hill. And the word or name after the name appears to be Barnset. So I don't know if Park Hill or Barnset. I don't know which name is which. You know, back in that day, they had weird first names. Yes. So Park yeah. Hill could be his first name. Exactly. That's true. So it was hard. Uh, the death date is in February, but the year is too faded to see. Oh. So he died in February. Obscure. Yes. Um, there is also a better known as carved into the stone, but you can't see what he was better known as. There appears to be a partial quote um, of a scripture from Samuel, the book of, in the Bible, Samuel twelve twenty three. Can I bring him back? I shall go to him. He shall not return to me. Oh, my God. Oh. And so. I feel like that's important. <laughs> me too. I was like, oh, who did that? Um, of course, most of the words on the cement block, I guess you would call it, um, are worn away due to time and exposure. And it appears the engravings were probably made with the stick while the concrete was still wet. But legend has it that the witch, in her heartbreak, carved them with her fingernails. Oh. <laughs> no thanks. I can't stand my own nails to be super long. So. Right. <laughs> right. I can't imagine having concrete underneath. I'm just guessing they probably meant, like, after it was sealed and hard and... That's she like carved oh. with her nails. Oh yeah, yeah that makes sense. Like chalk, chalkboard type Ugh. to creep up the yeah creep, creep, creep it up a bit yeah gross. <laughs> <laughs> so that leads me to as you mentioned the last witch trial mm-hmm. um, in the country which did happen here in Oklahoma, and it is of one Solomon. I don't know if it's pronounced Hotima or Hotima, and yeah. so I'll give you a little bit of background on. Mr. Hotima. He was a full-blood Choctaw native born in 1854 near Grant here in Indian Territory. His father was a ruling elder in the Presbyterian Church. This group was meant to settle disputes and enforce tribal law. They were also firm believers in witchcraft, being raised that way. Solomon was educated in a local school, then attended Old Spencer Academy. In 1878, Hotima was given a scholarship to Roanoke College in Salem, Virginia. Just has these weird like that seems strange. (laughs) I was like Roanoke and Salem in the same place. (laughs) Suspicious. Yeah. (laughs) There he learned the law and worked as a clerk for the for um, the Choctaw chief Wilson in Jones. In 1883, he marries Nancy Coleman. They have three children, and this is a spoiler: only one would survive to adulthood. So he became the county judge for Kaimichi County in 1884, and he lasted there until 1886. Um, Kaimichi County is now present-day Choctaw County. So what you're saying to me is that he is a very upstanding, yes, very legal-minded mm-hmm. person. Yes. That yes. would be held in high esteem mm-hmm. in today's mm-hmm. world. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. In 1887, he was elected to the House of Representatives, then re-elected again. House of Representatives for Indian Territory. Yeah, but that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. In 1888, he was the county clerk for Kaimichi County. In 1889, not only was he popular and influential, Hotima also owned a successful mercantile business in Grant and a small farm with 100 cows and 200 pigs. That's a lot of achievements, though, for... For back, you know, in yeah. 1899. Exactly. Yeah. For a, a Choctaw man. Exactly. That's 
Awesome. In 1898, a meningitis epidemic broke out across the tribe, the Choctaw tribe, and mm-hmm. really across Oklahoma. And several people, specifically children, were very susceptible to die from this illness. Jonah was Hodama's, his pride and joy. It was his only son, and he dies of meningitis. Oh, so people around the area started to spread rumors that the epidemic was caused by witches since so many lives were lost. Oh, my mm. gosh. Prayer meetings were held. Then a man, medicine man was consulted. This is 49-year-old Sam Tarnatubby. Okay. So keep his name in mind. Tarnatubby told Hotima what caused the disease and deaths. The victims had been bewitched. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course they had. He even gave the witches names. Oh, no. This well, medicine that's, man. That's convenient. <laughs> right? Yeah, no kidding. And as an ordained Presbyterian minister, because Hotima did not have enough going on in his life, mm-hmm. that he also had to be the minister <laughs> right. of the church, he decided that it was his duty to rid the world of witches. So during this time, the grief-stricken Hotima spent much of his time praying. He beseeched God that the witches might be overcome and dwelled on Bible stories of sorcery as proof of their existence. He preached on the subject at church, telling his congregation that he feared his people were going back to the witchery and evil of the past. He pointed out that their ancestors of the 16th and 17th centuries fought against witchcraft, and at the time, many others were still fighting it. Um, He told them that during prayers, he had seen witches coming through the air in the shape of fireballs. Oh, gosh. Oh, wow. Severe grief can do some things to your mind. Right. I'm, I'm just throwing that out. And I know, and I know natives have been known to have certain herbs that they burn mm-hmm. and things. And I know that nowadays we may find those herbs and incense to maybe cause the hallucinogen. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But but on top of that, like if you're in such grief that you're not eating right. or you're not sleeping, right. like insomnia alone can cause hallucinations exactly. and stuff like that. So. Exactly. Well, and it doesn't help when you have just suffered this grief and mm-hmm. then you have this person. Like whispering, whispering in your, in your, ear, your yeah. ear, you're going to be susceptible to mm-hmm. and all as kinds a, of things. As a minister, <laughs> he's he's seeing all of these people's yeah. grieves, and mm-hmm. so yeah, um, that's a lot on his shoulders, right? Oh, yeah. So he decided to gather his friends. Um, they are also noted Oklahoma witch hunters, or at least they claimed to be at one time. Sam Fry and Tobias Williams, and he gathered them up, and they were going to prepare themselves for their task. On April 14th of 1899, Hotima threw back a few stiff ones, that was a quote, before setting out to find the witches. But they armed themselves with Winchester rifles and a shotgun. Hotima was focused on ending these witches due to grief and hatred. One source was quoted as saying, the extermination of witches seemed to become his ruling passion. So it's alleged that while under the influence, Hotima was able to forget his friendship with one of his victims, perhaps that of his sister-in-law. First, they arrived at Vina Coleman's house. This is Hotima's sister-in-law. She was shot while running away from the posse, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. holding her infant child in her arms. Oh. Two of her other children were home and witnessed this happening. They hid from the men. It is reported that her 15-year-old child and another young child were wounded. Like, they were running away and they were shot oh at. gosh. They did. Both of them did Who end up leaving. shoots at kids? I and don't know. And this is, like, his relatives. Like right. This is his, these his are his, ne- like, nieces like and nephews. Oh, my gosh. Right. Um, the infant <gasps> was unharmed. 
thank God for in that. In fact, when they found the mother's body, obviously deceased, she was still holding the infant in her oh. arms. Get out right now. <laughs> <laughs> Making everybody have their feels. So the second victim was Mrs. Hole Greenwood. When they arrived, they inquired to her whereabouts because Mr. Greenwood met them at the front gate or met them. They informed him what they were about to do, what they were there to do. Um, He pleaded for his wife's life, but they essentially got him down on the ground and told him that if he moved, they would shoot him and ended her life right in front of him. Oh, my god! And then told him that if he said anything or reported anything, that they would come back and do the same thing to him. What is happening? It's awful. So the final victim was Alfred Morris, and it didn't really have any details over him. I think they just found him at his house and ended his life there. This is a Mm. literal witch hunt. Exactly. Literally. Um, There was to be a fourth victim, but for pure luck, this one, his name was Eastman, Mississippi. He just happened to be out of town. They were looking for him. They'd Mm -hmm. ask around for him, but they were like, oh, he's out of town. So they were unable to complete that task. We we can't be bothered to go searching for people. We want to kick down their doors. Um, So Hotima beseeched God that the witches might be overcome and dwelled on Bible stories of sorcery as proof of their existence. He was arrested uh, near Antlers while trying to board a train to Paris, Texas. He claimed he was getting on the train to turn himself in. I'd claim that too. (laughs) Yeah, sure he was. Um, He provided information related to the murders not quite a confession, mm-hmm. but enough to prove that he was clearly present when it happened. Oh, oh. gosh. Um, he claimed his actions were the teachings of his own particular creed, which had come from his father, is what he claimed. That's yeah. almost like cult-like, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. The murders- Weird you say that. I have so much cult stuff later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Murders were carried out because the individuals had the evil practice of magic among the Indian people. That's so vague and generalized. (laughs) Um, Hotima stated that he was obligated as a minister to end witches who, quote, by their evil spells had inflicted pain and death on the Choctaw. These murders were committed as a sacrifice for his, Hotima's life, for the Lord's cause and love of his people. So he went to trial. Immediately, attorneys requested the trial be moved to Paris, Texas, because I think people what? were in an outrage that this Gosh. had happened, and he they didn't feel like he was going to get a fair trial. Well, yeah. So they I moved can, it to Paris, Texas. I can understand that one. Um, the jury debated insanity when Hotima confessed as a lawbreaker and willingly giving his life for the Lord. They were trying to debate whether or not he was sane enough to stand trial. Oh, wow. They tried four people, the medicine man, Stan... Turnitubby, and then the other two that were with Hotima. The jury found San Turnitubby, the one who gave the names, they found him innocent of being an well, accessory. He started this whole right. thing. Yeah, I'm like, mm, well, where did he get those names from? Yeah. But yeah, he was found innocent. Just pull names out of a hat and say, go kill people. Uh, Come yeah. on. He probably was like in love with a sister-in-law, but she married like, yeah. someone yeah. else. And so he's like, yes. mm, she's a witch. Exactly. Right. That actually happened a lot. Oh, uh, yeah. A lot, a lot. Hotima and Fry were acquitted of the deaths of Mrs. Greenwood, the one that was shot in front of her husband, Mm -hmm. and Mr. Morris, who was the final victim. The jury believed them to be insane, in their words, at the time of the murders. Hotima was found guilty of the death of Vina Coleman, who was his sister-in-law. And is that because there were two witnesses or... But so was his... Was his wife, I mean, I'm assuming it was his sister or her sister. It didn't say or how they were exactly unless related. Unless the brother had married. It makes you wonder what the, whoever was related to him, like, 
what, what the their family, feelings were yeah, on right. them, him killing. Yeah. Right. And like, then trying to shoot your niece and nephew. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine. Right. It must have been a strange family dynamic. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. So on February 14th of 1902, Hotima is sentenced to death by hanging. Here's oh, no. a kooky fact. Because, you know, we're like the kooky and spooky <laughs> cousins here. <laughs> the defense believed Hotima would be acquitted because mm-hmm. he was acquitted of the other two. Okay. The prosecution believed that there would be a hung jury. Both sides were wrong. Oh, my god! <laughs> Nobody thought there was going to be a guilty verdict. And another kooky fact, Hotima paid his attorney for his services by gifting him, the attorney, with the shotgun he used to kill the victims with. <gasps> oh, I'm that's so morbid. Sorry. Right. I didn't know that was an option. What? Yeah. That's how he paid him. Here's the shotgun I just shot three Murdered people, people with. Oh, my maybe, God. Maybe that was the most expensive i'm using quotes here thing that he had maybe he lost everything why is that not evident i mean did they gather maybe they didn't need it because there were so many witnesses or something right maybe you're right later that year hotima appealed his case to the u.s supreme court uh the scottis upheld the lower court's rulings of him being guilty on october 28th of 1902 president theodore roosevelt commuted hotima's sentence to life Based on a recommendation by Attorney General Philander Chase, it was surmised that the Choctaw leader, quote, honestly believed in witchcraft and, quote, that under the load of distress and the influence of liquor, there had been a revival of savage instincts for which the Indian should not be held to account with the extreme penalty. They were, they basically said he's ignorant. He doesn't know better. Exactly. Exactly. He literally used the word savage. Yeah. Yeah. They used the word savage. I mean, come on. <laughs> So, um, so then he was sent to Fort McPherson, Atlanta, Georgia. In letters that Hotima wrote during his time in prison, he pointed out that the Bible spoke against witchcraft. He pointed to, quote, our ancestors, again. He prayed for the extermination of witches, believing many still lived among him. He stated that mysterious lights glowed in his neighborhood, and the lights he believed guided the witches. I don't know where, somewhere. Hotima mentioned that he received a letter in August of 1899 from a Muscogee school professor stating that three women had been arrested for witchcraft. And I looked for this case and I could not find find it it. anywhere. Yeah. In September of 1899, Hotima received a letter from some Arizona missionaries and they told him about the natives out there who practiced similar things and their lives were made miserable by it. And I'm not sure what those similar things were, but this letter really seemed to cement his belief that witches were still out there and among us all. So he also believed that other full-blood natives would agree with him that Mm -hmm. there were witches. And he started to believe that the native witches should be rounded up and investigated by a jury. Pretty high words coming from somebody sitting in prison. Yeah. Um, Ultimately, Hotima really wanted people to believe his cause to murder was justified and the correct thing to do. Oh my and he upheld that until he died, which happened on April 23rd, 1907. He passes away from tuberculosis while in prison. Oh, my gosh. Um, one quote about that I'd found that kind of made me, I don't, not really chuckle, but really did kind of serve because, you know, before all this, he was like a great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, like really upstanding really, citizen. Yeah. They said that I wonder if that's part of the reason why he got off so lightly, too. Maybe he oh. had some influence yeah. in, high places. in high places. Yeah, yeah you're probably right. Um, he served on both sides of the law in the Choctaw Nation. He was a minister, a lawyer, a judge, then the enforcer who simply took the law into his own hands. Mm-hmm. And 
So there you go. That's the last witch hunt or witch trial that the United States seems to have. Wow. That just sounds like That's some just really <laughs> harsh grief. To right. Me. Yeah. Like grief sometimes, I mean, I couldn't imagine Makes losing you do. a child. So yeah. it could break your mind. Exactly. It could. And I think that's a definite. Well, and yeah. it's sad that he had, what, two other children? Or how yes. many was it? He had three, but only t- one has survived to adulthood. And that's so sad that you are so grief-stricken by these other children that you don't even you remember forget, you have one yeah. that is alive. Yeah. Right. Just smack to that, but. <laughs> well, and you just so get, you just get so much hatred that you just want to end somebody else's life. Yeah, yeah and it seems like it blinded yeah. him, too. Mm-hmm. And that is a theme for this because it it's basically all about um, your perception mm-hmm. of reality and the fact that there are a lot of things that people don't want to accept mm-hmm. and especially when you don't understand it whether it is a disease or some sort of violence that comes out of nowhere whatever it is people who don't understand sometimes look for understanding in places that right. you know like They're just random places kind of any kind um, of answer. Excuse yeah. or yes. answer. Yeah. And or why. a lot of this, like a lot, a lot, is like these evils are so heavy that it had to have been the devil. It yeah. had to have been yeah. witchcraft. Yeah. It had to have been. Because, you know, God wouldn't allow that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, right. which is disheartening. And like mm-hmm. it is heartbreaking. It really. is. And it, on both sides, too, because on one side you have where it's, um, oh, it's the devil, even though it's just because they're grieving or whatever it is, but then it's being blamed, you know, oh, it's because of Christianity, mm-hmm. you know, it's, and so that makes Christianity look bad. Yeah. And so it's just like, it's kind of like this double-edged sword mm-hmm. almost. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just crazy. Yeah. It's but you know, crazy. the the crazy part about most of these cases is that it's not, there's not really a lot of Christians that are pointing the fingers. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just, oh, yeah. it's a lot of grief stricken people, just mm-hmm. normal people. Some, a lot of them just don't even have a religion. Some of them mm-hmm. are just, it's just something that they just can't understand. So it has to be, you know, you hear the rumors of the most evil thing and mm-hmm. that's the devil. That's right. Satan. That's witchcraft. And that has been ingrained since the Salem witch trials. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's gotta be that because yeah. it can't be anything else. No. So it's just interesting that I loved how the newspapers were celebrating their 200 years and how much they'd learned since Salem. And then have we? Because I'm about to today. I'm about to get into some modern even day today. I like. Have we really learned anything? I don't know. We didn't learn anything up to the 60s and 70s. I can tell you that. Right. right. I yeah. agree. Which road are you going to take us down? Now? Well, kind of the opposite okay. end okay. a little bit. So okay. I covered. Um, one of the last witch um, trials, I should say, not necessarily witch hunt, but a witch trial. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, in the middle of Oklahoma, you know, it's a long way from Salem, like we've yeah. been talking yeah. about. And like we've said, it's been more than 200 years at the time in the 1880s. Mm-hmm. Persecution of witchcraft was supposed to have ended in America with the Salem witch trials, but obviously it didn't. <laughs> My case, I should say, I guess, it takes it takes place with the Seminole tribe. Okay. So just a brief little overview about their belief in witches and witchcraft, just just really quick. Um, their traditional um, the traditional Seminole world is saturated with magic, just mm-hmm. like every other 
native tribe in Oklahoma, but um, they have a, a strong belief with witches who cause illness and who can operate long distances. Ooh. And they believed that they could magically send um, medicine arrows oh. and oh. through the air towards their victims. And, Interesting. You know, um, you guys briefly touched on this. They're also told that they shapeshift. And one of their main shapeshifters, and I could be pronouncing this wrong, not going to lie, um, the Stikini? Stik- Stikini? Oh, yes. You know, I don't know if I'm saying that, that right. I don't remember. Um, I actually had Simon on for the Skinwalkers because he's like real smart. Yeah. Mm-hmm about all that stuff and he said all of those things (laughs) Mm -hmm. we did actually talk about like native american beliefs Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and he like just blurted out like a bunch of these words Mm -hmm. and i'm like how do you even know how to say (laughs) it yeah so you know refer to that episode (laughs) yes please because i am more than likely saying it incorrectly and so sorry if if we mispronounce anything we're not you know it's not intentional yes no but the Stinkini, um, it's known as the Man Owl and was originally said to be uh, human witches that grew more terrible and more powerful um, the more evil that they bestowed upon people in the world. And there's actually quite a bit more said about them, but I don't want to go down that rabbit hole right now. So. <laughs> um, and it's interesting because this fear of this supernatural being, it really became prevalent in the 1880s especially when the Seminole tribe was, you know, booted out of their um, home and was forced to come to Oklahoma. I'm going to talk a little bit about this trial now. Okay. So it happened in the early or the early summer of 1880, and a Native American woman who had been sick for many months, she died very suddenly one morning, and it was believed by um, some of the other Natives that her death was caused by a witch. So, like you do. <laughs> right, right. So the woman accused, she was an elderly native woman. Her name was never mentioned. Of course. And one source said she was from the Seminole tribe. And then another source said that she was from the, pardon me if I'm mispronouncing this, Bikasuki. Originally, they were originally part of the Creek Nation. And she was thought to be 80 years old or older. They're not sure. They're old. They're probably witches. (laughs) Well, and on top of that, she was almost blind. Oh, my gosh. And then they described her appearance as, quote, long white hair falling loose on her shoulders gave her a weird appearance. (laughs) She's just old. Exactly. I'm sorry. It's not funny. It's just that. It's ridiculous. It's It's just so ridiculous. And so because of her appearance, it just confirmed to the more superstitious members of the tribe that their belief of her being a living walking zombie because she's old (laughs) yeah it just proved that she was practicing these evil arts and it gave valid proof she has milky white eyes (laughs) come on i mean she was old she's She's blonde could have been walking with a cane she probably wasn't walking (laughs) she probably wasn't well, and if she was, she's a witch. I know, she's she shouldn't be walking in that at chair. Well, yeah. and here's what's crazy, or kooky, however you want to say it. It was claimed by friends of the dead woman that the visitor had, that the woman accused, had blown on a piece of bread and gave, gave it to the sick woman, who then tried to eat it and then choked to death. 
Oh my god. So she blew her breath on this piece of bread and then the woman tried to eat it and she died. The accused woman was arrested and brought before the great council for trial. How do you charge that? How do you charge blowing on a piece of bread? I, really? I mean, <laughs> I want to see Attempted that. Attempted murder? I want to see that paper. Well, I, and it, I'm like, I'm sitting here wondering, okay, did she bring the bread with her? Was the bread already there? <laughs> like, I think about these things. Well. And it just, I'm like. She pull it out of her old lady pocket. Or if there was all little these hair girl. stuck to it. <laughs> or if there was all these witnesses, how come there were. Like, if they saw her blowing on it, how come they weren't like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What are you doing? Yeah. That's also a huge theme is that people don't like to speak up when they should. Yes. So. um, That's insane. It's just crazy. (laughs) The accused woman was arrested, brought before the great council. And every morning, the they called it the light horseman. And one source said it was an officer riding a pony. And another said that it was an officer in charge. So it was an Maybe officer was, on a pony who was in charge, who might have been in charge. <laughs> okay. Yes. Sounds good. So anyway, Wait. he would ride ahead to the council house while the aged prisoner would be following on foot with like where all there was like they did dogs. not a little yes. old woman. Yes. So she would follow Blind behind. Woman? And then like it mentioned <laughs> in several sources, it mentioned that there were dogs that were with her that were following along with her. Oh so, my God. You're breaking my heart here oh my goodness well that's so sad it's, I, I, it is because she had bread in her pocket and those dogs were hungry i'm telling you i mean oh my god maybe i don't even know if they that's were so feeding sad. her who knows oh antoinette c Poor snow constant she was at the time was a young educated white woman who was a teacher at the Wewoka government mission school at the capital village of the Seminole tribe and it was a village located near what is now present-day Wawoka mm-hmm. in Seminole County in the south-central part of Oklahoma. Mrs. Constant would watch every morning as this woman was walking to her trial. And the trial had lasted for several days. And members of her clan, which was the Clan of the Wind, they weren't even allowed to speak on her behalf or in her defense at the trial. And in fact, they weren't even allowed to be at the trial. They weren't wow. even able to be there, period. So finally, the accused woman, she was sentenced to be shot to death on oh charges my gosh. of that practicing escalated. witchcraft. Oh my Whoa. gosh. Yes. That escalated so quickly. Yes. So Mrs. Constant was horrified. Shot to death? Yes. An old lady? She was sentenced. Oh my God. That's that's the execution order that they gave. I'm so Mrs. Mrs. Constant was horrified when she learned this from some of the girls that she taught. And it said that they were just informing her of what the great council had decided. And so she immediately took action to see if there was anything that could be done to reverse this decision. And so she appealed to everyone that she could think of for help. Um, Some of the people that she talked to, one of them, um, she first tried to gain an audience with Chief Chupko, I think is how you say it. And... He was, at the time, of course, chief of the Seminoles, and he was considered the most educated man in the tribe. He had already signed the death warrant and had set the execution for 2 p.m. on June 8, 1880. And usually when this happened, there was no chance of getting it stopped or mm-hmm. reversed or anything like that. But How far um, after that was, like from her trial to her 
death sentence. It didn't really say because it didn't. It never said when Specify her trial, trial actually started. It just said it was several days or many days. And That's horrible. So, and it said you didn't even get time to appeal it. Well, right. Well, and it said that it started in early summer. So I don't know. You know, to me, I consider the end of May starting off as summer. Oh yeah, yeah. and then Oklahoma. Yeah, mm-hmm. but. I mean, it could have been early June. Yeah. Well, obviously, this happened in early June, but anyway, she tried to get in to speak to him. He uh, really just, like, ignored her, honestly. And the chief had, and this is what's crazy, the chief had actually been a friend of hers and her family and had visited her family in her home many times where they shared meals. He played with her kids. Oh my gosh. And so she considered him a great friend and he considered her a great friend because he was so appreciative of everything that her and her family were doing for his tribe. He would often say to her, teacher, never leave my people. However, during this trial, he just wouldn't speak to her. And it's my guess is that he knew that she would try and talk him out of it or, mm-hmm. you know, hmm. say something against the situation. And he just didn't want to hear it and, oh, wow. you know, just ignored her. So, so sad. it is sad. It's awful. Like somebody that you think is your friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That could actually legitimately help you in that. Right. right. And your situation. and your people as well. So with not being able to speak to him in person, she decided to write the chief and the council a letter, which, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to read it to oh, you. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, it starts off, Honorable John Chupko, Chief of Seminole and Members of Council, I appeal to you this morning in the name of the women of this country and in the cause of our Christian faith wow. and Indian civilization to spare the life of that unfortunate woman now under sentence of death to be executed for the so-called crime of witchcraft. There is no such thing as a witch. God alone has power over the spirit. You can only kill the body. You cannot kill the spirit. You now represent a civilized tribe. You have friends at home and abroad who are pleading for Indian rights. But when you, in the light of this Christian age, surrounded by elevating influences, schools and churches in your midst, will condemn and shoot to death a defenseless old woman for the superstitious idea of witchcraft, What more can your friends say in your defense? The day is fast dawning on your tribe when this act of yours will be stamped as a crime and the name of the members of this council who sanction the act, however sincere, will go down in disgrace. It is honorable even now for you to reconsider the fatal step you are about to take. It will be a stigma on the Seminoles and a barrier in the way of your friends doing you good in the future. Be wise. Be above this cruel act so that civilization may not be impeded and false impressions made on the young who are the hope of your race. In the name of all that is holy and elevating and the future welfare of your people, I pray as woman pleading for woman, stay the hand of the executioner tomorrow. If evil comes of this act, remember your friend warned you in time to avert it. In the cause of Indian civilization, I am your friend, Mrs. Antoinette C. Snow, Constant, Monday, June 7th, 1880, we woke a Seminole Nation Indian Territory. And I just think that says, like, a lot. Mic drop. That is incredibly wow. well written. Yes. Oh, yeah. And it was just, and that like, was. Like, I want to meet her. Right. And that <laughs> was from, I found that in a newspaper from 1923 when they were talking um she had said, oh, here's the letter that I wrote. And they published it in the newspaper. So it was kind of like her memoirs. And I just, uh, the fact that she was just like, 
woman pleading for a woman, like, mm-hmm. don't do this. And it was just like, she received no reply. What? Yep. Um, She did later have the satisfaction of being told by several members of the council that they were opposed at the time of the execution, but had no authority to stop it. When that fell through, she then wrote to John F. Brown, who was an educated half-seminal, begging him to use his influence with the council and the chief. He did reply to her, condemning the action of Chief Chipko, but added, quote, I fear her fate is settled beyond the reach of any aid of mine and her life doomed to pay for the forfeit of a credulousness I cannot trust my pen to name, nor can I bear to think of the retribution to the Seminoles, which the just consequences of the act will assuredly deal out. It's a really fancy way of saying, I'm so sorry. I just, I, 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 I have, can't help you. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to get involved. Jeez. It's like, I just, I have nothing for you. But it gets worse. Oh, how? Really? <laughs> yeah. Mrs. Constance made another effort on, uh, on the behalf of the condemned woman, and she sought out Reverend William Ramsey, a missionary who had long been working with the Seminoles. She had hoped would be able to use his influence again on the chief and the council. His reply was, oh, quote, we can do nothing. Besides, you will lose your position as a teacher if you interfere with Indian affairs. I like this woman a lot. Was she native? No, I don't believe so. Oh, well. But she had worked there, so she was, she was, um. Was, was this the young white woman? Mm-hmm. Are you talking okay. about? Yes. Okay. She was, she, I think she was originally from Kansas, maybe. Okay. But um, she was part of, I think the whole mission was like a Presbyterian missionary kind of thing. And so she, I don't know if she opened the school or if she was just a part of the school, but she called it her school. Mm -hmm. And um, she was advocating. I can tell you that. And she's like, she could speak Seminole. She could speak the language. She was very much an advocate for sure. But her response back to Mr. Ramsey was Mr. Ramsey. If my tenure as teacher depends on my remaining silent when one of my sex, a helpless old woman, is condemned to be shot to death as a witch, I do not care to remain longer among the Seminoles. Wow. Oh. So she had no fear. I mean, she very much was, um, Wow. could stand up and fight for what she thought was wrong, for sure. Way to go. That's awesome. Yeah. In that time period? Right. That's that's amazing. Yeah. 1880. So on the Sunday before the execution was to take place, Reverend Ramsey announced from the pulpit to all who wished to witness the execution that it would be on Tuesday at two oh o'clock in the afternoon. Like you're you're announcing it. It's like you're approving of it. And it's just like <sighs> Come see the spectacle. Right. Come be entertained. Yeah. That's just there's and probably somebody selling hot dogs down at the corner. <gasps> well, you know, there was probably somebody selling something because you know a million people oh, are going sure. to flock to this. Yeah. Ugh. To watch an old lady be shot to death. Yes. Oh so in the meantime, Mrs. Constance, uh, um, she finally appealed to the United, State, United States Indian Agency at Muskogee to Major A.W. Taft. And um, he had actually visited the Wawoka Mission School um, several times and considered the children to be great friends and was a great friend of Mrs. Constant. And so in those days, it took several days to get a reply to and from the agency, but it was an opportunity that she felt she couldn't pass up right. just in case, yeah, like, just right. in case she could at least get him a note or something. 
So she is like diligent. She's tenacious. She's fierce. Bad boss. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Early Tuesday morning, the day of the execution, people from miles around began to gather. The aged victim was on the ground, not far from the little church, and like sitting on the ground. It was in full view of Mrs. Constance's home, so she could stand on her porch and see. Oh my God. Her coffin was ready and waiting nearby. <gasps> and it was a Why would you do that chills. to someone mentally? Well, and one, Why? One source I, I saw, it said that it was like in a wagon or something, and she was actually sitting on it oh, while waiting even to better. be executed. Oh, even better. My Lord. Yeah. So the box was made from native timber, and there were men ready with loaded guns awaiting the hour of execution. Men? How many men did they think it was going to take to like shoot a firing one? Spot. I know one old lady. Old lady. Yeah. Like, what, what is she, she going to do? do? Run, run away? Because right. she's half blind. We've already made her walk several days in a row uh, back yeah. and forth to her own trial. Yeah. Blisters just, on her feet. Come on. It's just gosh. ridiculous. So Mrs. Constant said that they were, quote, uh, were all in breathless suspense as no word from the Indian agent had reached us. Our only hope was that the government would come to the rescue. So at noon... There was a loud knock on the door of Mrs. Constance's Mrs. Constance's home. I keep wanting to say Constance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Constant. Anyway, there was a knock. So when she answered it, it actually was a United States soldier. And he was heavily armed and official, looked very official. Like and um, to her great joy, he handed her two notes. One was for Chief Chupka or Chupko, and the other was for her. And her letter read as follows. Your note I received this morning as I reached home from Washington. I send an order by special messenger to the chief. Please direct him where to go to find the chief and give any other advice you can. Thank you for your note. It will be confidential. A.W. Taft. A.W. Taft was the major um, Indian agent. Oh, okay. Yeah. So... Her husband immediately took the messenger who delivered the note to the chief and the councilmen who were the council were at the council house, and Major Taft had ordered the chief to stay the execution, oh, warning God. the chief and the members of the council that if the woman was executed, he would hold the Seminole Council responsible Ooh. for the act. Oh, yeah. So that happened at noon. Her execution was, was at two, two o'clock. Oh, oh my gosh! gosh. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> So, um, of course the chief wanted to know who had written the agent and, um, her husband replied, Mrs. Constant with my approval. And the chief apparently then just dropped his head and the accused woman was then set free immediately and she made her way back home. But of course this kind of started a raging storm against Mrs. Constant because she, she inserted herself where they didn't think she should have. Well, you know what? She saved somebody's life. She, she did. did. So why are we she not did. talking more about Mrs. Constant? Right. Yeah. In well, in history, it, it even said that. Well, she had said, you know, that this storm was about to start against me because I quote stand for womanhood and Christian civilization. Wow. So that's awesome. It's just, um, I think it's great that she was that she could even do that because you know some of us are just like oh yeah we think that's bad but mm-hmm. are afraid to speak out yeah. and even she today yeah didn't well, have any problem doing I mean, that the retribution of it especially in that time period yeah the clap back it's just i mean 
you could yeah. you could be executed yourself. Right. Yeah. So I mean, it takes a lot of guts oh, and yeah. bravery to be able to do something like that. Well, and there were consequences. Um, the next day, some of the girls from her school brought the old woman to her, and the woman threw her arms around her mm-hmm. and. It said that they all wept for joy. Mrs. Constance then pointed heavenward and had said, God in heaven had saved your life. And she said that to the woman. Mm -hmm. And the chief immediately said, get me another teacher. Get another teacher. So she essentially got fired. (laughs) And Worth it. That's worth it, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So she was never permitted to open the doors of her school again. However, she did continue her Bible work for a few more months. But then with her husband and children, they returned to Kansas, where I guess they're originally from. And the witchcraft incident, as I should <laughs> as I'll call it, and the breaking up of her school, it scattered the students, some of her students that she had, and some of them quit going oh. at all. But some continued on elsewhere. She later moved to Edmond, Oklahoma, where she lived until her death on December 30th, 1928. And she's actually also buried there. So one last thing I want to mention, uh, while this did put an end to executions for witchcraft and sorcery within the Seminole Nation, the old belief in witches still prevailed among the older generations of the members of the tribe for many, many years. That's amazing. That's a, an amazing woman. Yes. Right. <laughs> what did you want to do with the rest of your life? Because you're done. You're, you're done. You're done. Well, and it just shows like what, even though you think there won't, isn't any hope of, um, a great outcome for what you're trying to do, like still try and do something. Cause you don't know right. what's yeah. going to come of it. Right. But also second point, she's just a citizen mm-hmm. had nothing to do with anything. Yeah. So it goes to show that literally anyone at any point can be a hero. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You see something, say something. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely. Thanks for sticking with us during the first part of Satanic Panic. And thanks again to the Curious Cousins for covering some of these horrific witch trials that Satanic Panic caused pre-1970. Catch the next episode to see where Satanic Panic goes in the decades to come. Keep it kooky and spooky!